Well, church family, I'm really excited to study God's Word with you today. I want you to know that the staff of Christ Community Church spend a lot of time this week uh, praying together and discussing the question, what part of the Bible should our church family be studying during this season of time? And the more that we thought and prayed about that, the more that we felt drawn to the book of Philippians, which is a beautiful book. It's a Christ-centered book. It's a book that calls us to enjoy knowing Jesus. It calls us to fight for unity in the church. It calls us to work together to fulfill the mission of God. And it's a book that really emphasizes the theme of joy. Even in dark circumstances, we can have joy in Christ. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. So I'm excited over the next few weeks to study this book together and hear what God wants to say to us. Next week, Pastor Chauncey is on the schedule to teach us, but uh, today I want to introduce this book to you and then help us as a church family to begin to dive into the first couple of verses. The theme that we're going to emphasize from these first couple of verses is the theme of identity in Christ. So we're going to talk a lot about the issue of identity. Now when we talk about identity, we're really getting into some of the deepest, meatiest questions we can ask about our lives. Because when we talk about identity, we're talking about questions like these I'm putting on your screen. Who am I? And who am I not? A lot of people um, spend a lot of their lives exhausting themselves trying to live out some identity which isn't their true identity. They're trying to live out a false self and it doesn't work. A lot of us also spend a lot of time trying to please other people or trying to achieve something so that we can feel like we have a good identity, a good answer to that question, and we exhaust ourselves. But Paul's going to teach us that the real way to answer these questions is to think about the grace of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. And the ramifications of that are huge because when we ask who am I and who am I not, we're also asking questions like this, does my life matter? What is my purpose? Is my life significant? Does anybody love me? Those are all questions of identity. And how we answer those questions is going to dramatically affect our lives. So we're going to be diving into those deep waters today. But before we dive into the first couple of verses of this text, let me set the stage for you by telling you about this book of Philippians. I want to talk about the author of the book, the recipients of the book, and the, the occasion. Because this is a letter. It was a letter uh, written by the Apostle Paul. So first let's talk about the author. The Apostle Paul was perhaps the greatest missionary in the early church, but before that he, be, he was the most famous convert actually in the history of Christianity because Paul started his career as a persecutor of the church. He was a devout Jew. He was a Pharisee, but he thought that Jesus was a fraud and he thought that the Christian movement um, was leading people astray. He thought the claim that Jesus rose from the dead was nonsense. He thought the claim that Jesus, who died on the cross, was the Son of God was some kind of blasphemy. And all that changed in the scene that you see depicted in this famous painting. Paul was on the road to Damascus to actually go try to stop the Christian community in that city when all of a sudden he had this incredible experience in which the resurrected Lord Jesus appeared to Paul and confronted him. 
Jesus opened the spiritual eyes of Paul. Paul went back and began pouring over the Hebrew scriptures again and again and became convinced that Jesus was in fact the Messiah, the King, the Savior whom the prophets of old had foretold, who now came to save the world. So Paul went from a persecutor of the church to a great missionary who went from city to city proclaiming Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we can be saved by faith through him. We can be forgiven of our sins and we can have peace with God. After he died on the cross for our sins, he rose again and he's been exalted as Lord of all creation, King of all kings, and we owe all of our allegiance to him. Now that last part of Paul's message frequently got Paul in trouble because the Roman uh, the Roman emperors did not like some guy going around telling uh, telling everybody there's a man named Jesus who is king of all kings. That that challenges the authority of Rome, and he also they also didn't like Paul saying um, only through Jesus can you know the one true God because that threatened the religious system of Rome. So Paul was always getting himself thrown in prison in one way or another, which is going to be important in a second when we talk about the occasion of this letter. But first, let's talk about the audience. This is a letter written to uh, the church in the city of Philippi. Now, Paul started this church. You can read about it in Acts chapter 16. Paul went and told the Philippians about Jesus, and many of them began to believe in Jesus. Um, But Paul was persecuted there. He was beaten and thrown in prison for his preaching. And the the Philippians continue to be uh, persecuted in their faith. That's going to be a theme in this letter. Um, But it's important to understand the city of Philippi to know that this was a Roman colony. And many of the uh, people in Philippi were retired soldiers who were very proud of the fact that they were Roman citizens. They would often dress like Romans and speak Latin and, and were proud of the fact that they were They were a colony of Rome, which meant they were an outpost. They were representing the culture and the authority of Rome out on this frontier of the Roman Empire. And that's going to be important for understanding some of the themes in the book of Philippians. But what was the occasion of this letter? Well, there are several clear indicators in the letter that Paul was imprisoned in some way when he wrote the letter. Now, here's another famous painting of Paul as an older man being imprisoned. We don't know for sure when Paul wrote this. Most biblical scholars think he wrote the letter to the Philippians um, around the year AD 60 when he was on house arrest in Rome. But it's possible he wrote the letter somewhat earlier when he was in Ephesus. Either way, the occasion of the letter is that Paul's friends in Philippi have sent him uh, a gift of some financial resources to support him, to feed him and clothe him while he's imprisoned. And now, He is writing to them to tell them thank you and to offer them spiritual encouragement and to urge them to to live as the united followers of Jesus who are faithful to Jesus and to the mission of Jesus, even in difficult circumstances. So that's uh, the situation of the letter that we're reading. Now let's dive in. Would you look with me at the first couple of verses of this letter? Here's how Paul begins. Paul and Timothy... Servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now these are, uh, that's a really short 
passage. These are really short verses. And yet there's a lot packed in there. Actually, there's so much spiritual wisdom packed into those short two verses that I'm not even going to be able to talk about everything that's in there. But I do want to emphasize some really rich themes about our identity in Christ. Would you join me in looking at this again? But before we read it again, I want to help you see what Paul is doing here by comparing what Paul says with the normal, traditional opening to a letter that people would send at this time. Normally, people would open a letter like this. Paul and Timothy to the church in Philippi, greetings. So Very simple. You just identify who's writing, who they're writing to, and then you say greetings. But that's not how Paul writes this. He, he takes this traditional letter opening and he packs it full with spiritual insight. So when, when he says, I'm writing you this letter uh, together with Timothy. Timothy was a protege and ministry partner of Paul. Paul was his mentor and their relationship is always a wonderful reminder of, of the fact that young Christians need to find more experienced Christians who can help us grow in our faith. And then we need to take the things that we've learned and pass them on to others to make disciples. But Paul says here, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Now that's a powerful statement about identity. Who am I? Who are we? We are servants of Christ Jesus. And Paul doesn't just say to the church at Philippi, he says to all the saints in Christ Jesus. The saints means the holy people, the people set apart for God. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Those, those two words, overseers and deacons, are referring to leaders in the church at Philippi. Overseers would be like what we would call pastors and deacons would be people who, who led the church in other ways but didn't have that same governing and teaching authority as, as the overseers. And then Paul doesn't just say greetings. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's some profound truth here about who God is and about who we are in our relationship with God. Now, what I want to do for the, the rest of our time together today is just to pick out three truths about Christian identity, which Paul has communicated in those opening verses. And what I want to say is there's, there's some people watching this video who are already committed Christians. You've trusted in Jesus. Um, you've been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're a Christian. And as a Christian, what, what this text is doing for you is reminding you of your identity. And everything Paul says here is both comforting and challenging. Because when he reminds us who, who we are, he's really calling us to fulfill the glorious identity which God has given unto us as a gift of grace in Jesus Christ. I know there's also some people watching this video who are spiritually seeking, but you maybe don't identify as a follower of Jesus yet. And I want you to understand that when we talk about the identity of Christians, we're telling you if you were to turn from sin and trust in Jesus, this would be what you'd be getting into because our new relationship with Jesus transforms our identity. I want to put a little slide on the screen to just help us visualize how this works. When we are united with Christ, this gives us a new identity. So we have new answers to the questions, who am I? 
What is my purpose? Am I loved? What is the significance of my life? And that new identity leads us to a new purpose for living, new attitudes and ways of thinking, and radically new relationships, a new way of relating to God and a new way of relating to other people. So this issue of identity is is really crucial. We can't overemphasize how important it is. Let's talk about the three uh, statements about Christian identity that Paul makes here. The first thing is look at how he identifies himself. We already talked about it. And himself and Timothy, we are servants of Christ Jesus. That's the first aspect of Christian identity in this text. What does it mean to be a servant of Christ Jesus? Well, actually, the Greek word here, doulos, probably should be translated slaves. Now, to say we're slaves of Christ Jesus sounds shocking and probably offensive to us. And it would have sounded shocking and offensive to the, the Philippian readers of this letter as well. But Paul is using that provocative language to say from the beginning, Jesus is master. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is king. He died for my sins. He rose again. He's Lord of creation. But more than that, he's Lord of me. I am binding myself to Jesus as my master. I'm putting him in charge of every area of my life. And what makes this so powerful is that one of the main themes of Paul's teaching is that Jesus makes us free. Think about verses like these ones I'm going to put on the screen. Paul says to the Christians in Galatia, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Similarly, when he writes to the Christians in Corinth, he says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, and here he's probably referring specifically to Jesus when he says the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus. And he says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when Paul says these things, he's really just echoing statements that Jesus made, such as this one. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. So Jesus gives us freedom, and yet Paul says, I'm a slave of Jesus. This is a provocative way of saying that when I follow Christ, I yield all rights to Jesus. He's in control. He's the master. But he's a good and gracious master. And if I will uh, leave everything to follow Jesus, to become a disciple of Jesus, the paradox here is that becoming a servant of Jesus, for the first time I become free. This makes me think of something that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read you a few verses. Jesus says some words that are really radical here. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now when Jesus talks about taking his yoke upon us, he's using the metaphor of two oxen that are yoked together. You put that big piece of wood over both of the the necks of both of these oxen. And wherever one goes, the other one's going to go. They are hooked up. And if you get yoked to Jesus, that means wherever he leads, you go. He's the master. He's in charge. But what he says here is, I'm a gentle master. I'm a humble master. I'm a kind master. And, And if you will stop exhausting yourself 
by trying to be Lord of your own life and just say, Jesus, you are Lord. Now, Jesus is saying to us, I'll give you rest. I'll give you forgiveness. I'll give you freedom and eternal life. Now, Paul is speaking from experience. When he started following Jesus, it really cost him everything. He lost status. He lost relationships. To say Jesus was Lord was a very costly thing for Paul. And yet, he, he doesn't regret it. On the contrary, look what he says in Philippians chapter 3. I want you to um, turn to the third chapter of this letter. There's some amazing, beautiful verses in which Paul is talking about the fact that he lost so much when he decided to follow Jesus. But starting in verse 7, he says this, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Now, we're going to come back to those verses and talk about them in more detail in a few weeks, God willing. But I just turn to them right now to help us see when Paul says, I'm a servant of Jesus, he's my master. He's really saying, I I literally lost everything to follow Jesus. I'm writing this from prison. I've lost respect. I've lost relationships. But he says, to to become a servant of Jesus made me so free. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Everything I lost is like trash compared to the treasure of knowing Jesus. Now, some of you, you, when you hear that, when you think about these verses, uh, are thinking, yes. Yes, your soul says, that's my experience. Knowing Jesus is the greatest treasure of life. Others, when you hear that, you think, I've never experienced anything like that. But what I want to say to you is that by God's grace, you can. If today you would say, Jesus, you're my master. I'm your servant. I'm going to follow you no matter what. I'm going to study your word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to obey whatever you tell me to do. Um, I don't, I'm not telling you the road's going to be quick. It might be long and hard like Paul's road. But you will get to know Christ because he wants you to know him. And as a servant of Jesus who yields to his authority, the joy that you can experience, Paul says, is, is better than anything else in life. And that's my testimony. I'd say, I, as a disciple of Christ, I struggle so often. I disobey and I get off track. But I want to keep coming back to this identity saying, Jesus, you're the master. I'm your servant. Because when I yield completely to the authority of Jesus... There's so much joy and freedom that I get to experience. Now, the second aspect of our Christian identity I want to mention is something that Paul says not about himself, but about the Philippians. Look with me again at the second half of verse 1. Paul says, To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Now, this leads us to a second aspect of Christian identity. Not only are we servants of Christ Jesus, but also, we are saints in Christ Jesus. Now, I use that phrase, in Christ Jesus, which Paul uses because um, this is introducing to us one of the most important themes in all of Paul's writings, which is the theme of union with Jesus. And whenever I talk about this, I always want to take my hands and go like this, because what Paul is saying is, when you trust in Jesus, when you say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and I want to have a relationship with Him, and and now I'm trusting and following Him. The Bible says that God's Holy Spirit now unites you with Jesus, 
and that changes everything with your about your life. Every all the guilt and sin and shame that you had now is given to Jesus, and on the cross He bears your guilt and sin and shame so that you don't have to bear it anymore. You're forgiven. You're cleansed. No guilt. No shame. Based despite all your failures, it's paid in full on the cross. But not only that, you bring your guilt to Jesus, but He brings to you His glory and His eternal relationship with God the Father. And you get life and salvation from Jesus. And if you are in Christ, then all the privileges of Jesus come to you. And that's what's being uh, suggested here when Paul calls the, uh, the Philippians the saints in Christ Jesus. The word saints just means holy people. And holy means set apart. So what he's saying is, even though you are big sinners and you've rebelled against God and you've messed up over and over in your life, by grace, now you're united in Jesus. And that means you're God's holy people, set apart from God. God has bound himself to you in, in love. As his holy people, um, you are bound to him and he is bound to you. And nothing can separate you from his love. You're called now to live different than the rest of the world and to be agents of change in the world. To be God's holy people doesn't mean you withdraw from the world. As a matter of fact, notice the text says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. You're, you're in Christ Jesus, but you're also at Philippi. That's, I think, already hinting at something that's going to be talked about later in this letter. In chapter 3, Paul's going to tell the Philippians that they are citizens of heaven. Now, when I was introducing the book, I told you that the people of Philippi, many of them were proud of the privilege of being Roman citizens. And they were proud of the fact that Philippi was a Roman colony, which meant it was an outpost of Rome that represented Roman authority and Roman culture here on the frontier. But now Paul says, since you're in Christ Jesus, you're a citizen of heaven, but you're also in Philippi and you're there um, not only as a colony of Rome, but more importantly, you're a colony of heaven, meaning King Jesus is Lord over creation. But now through your life, of love and humility and truth, um, you're actually extending the culture and the kingdom of heaven onto earth. So that since you're in Christ Jesus and you're at Philippi as a colony of heaven, heaven is invading this place. So people watching this video, many of us live in Oklahoma City. Some of you may live in, in other areas. But what the text is saying is if you're in Christ, you're set apart for God you're loved by God and you have a purpose wherever you live to infuse that place with the love of God, with the culture of heaven. You are witnesses to the authority of Jesus and to the peace and the joy and the love of heaven where you live, which is calling us to a life of mission. We love the poor. We love each other across every ethnic boundary or economic boundary. We don't hate people based on their skin color. We don't judge people based on their ethnic or cultural background. We take care of the widow and the fatherless and the poor. We treat with honor those who are shamed in the culture. We forgive one another. And when we fail to do these things, we repent and receive God's grace and get up again because it's the culture of heaven that defines the way that we live. And Paul is going to tell us in this book, if we live that way, we'll be like lights in a dark place so that heaven will be invading earth so to talk about being saints in christ jesus 
It's to talk about being loved by God. It's also to talk about a purpose, a mission on earth. Now, finally, I want to turn your attention briefly again to verse 2, which says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want you to notice those words, God our Father. See, God is eternally, God the Father is eternally the Father of Jesus, the Son. We're talking about the doctrine of the Trinity. There's only one God, but He eternally exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And one of the benefits that we get through our union with Jesus is that because Jesus is the Son of God, now if we are united with Christ, we get adopted into this family of God so that now God is our Father and we are His sons and daughters. That means we we have a Father in heaven who loves us, who is all-powerful, who promises to take care of us, who promises to teach us, to guide us, and to provide for us in our lives. I know some people watching this have had rough relationships with your earthly fathers. Some people have experienced abuse or abandonment or you never even knew your dad. But you have a heavenly father if you've trusted in Christ. This father loves you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. But one of the other amazing things here is you also have a human community because of that. Because if God is my father and God is your father, that makes us family. And as brothers and sisters, we learn to love each other in the universal family of God. Everyone who's trusted in Christ throughout the world, we practice loving each other as the one family of God. And that practice of loving each other trains us then to go out and love the rest of the world. Now, it's important to notice here that it says grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That word grace is huge. What it means is all of these beautiful things we're saying about our identity, we haven't earned them and we never could earn them. They are gifts. The word grace means God treats us with loving kindness that we don't deserve, that we never could have earned. Grace is to talk about a gift something we're given freely. And what God gives us in Christ is forgiveness, adoption into the family of God. He calls us the saints, the holy ones. He gives us a mission and a purpose for our life. He gives us a community to belong to. And He calls us into a relationship of discipleship in which we say, Jesus is Master. We are His servants. And because of that, we learn to live with freedom. Now, for the last few moments together that we have today, I just want to put on the screen these three aspects of our identity in Christ that we've talked about today and just ask you to quietly meditate on each of these and and uh, pray that God will help you to um, recognize what it what this means about your identity if you've trusted in Jesus first we are servants of Christ Jesus I want you to pray right now that the Holy Spirit will show you if there's any part of your life that you have not yielded to the authority of the Master and King, Jesus. You might feel afraid as you pray, if the Holy Spirit brings areas to your life that you need to yield to the authority of Jesus, you might feel afraid, but I want to encourage you, if you try to keep areas of your life away from Jesus, that actually makes you a slave, a slave to sin. It doesn't lead to freedom. But if you submit those areas of your life to King Jesus, 
you get freedom. Second aspect of our Christian identity is that we are saints in Christ Jesus. Because we're united with Christ, because we're in Christ, all of our guilt and shame belongs to Him. All of His glory belongs to us. And I want to ask the Holy Spirit to show you right now, despite your failures and weakness, if you've trusted in Christ, you are His Holy One. God loves you. And because of that, you're called to be set apart, to live different than the rest of the world, to be an agent of God's grace in the world. And finally, we are children of God adopted by grace. If you've trusted in Jesus, you have a family, you have a place to belong. And I want to invite you to pray right now that the Holy Spirit will teach you what it means that you're a beloved son or daughter of God the Father. He's going to take care of you and nothing can separate you from his love. I'd like to pray with you as we end our time. Our Father, for anybody watching this video who hasn't trusted Christ, I just pray that your spirit right now would call them to yourself, that they would trust in Jesus so that these glorious truths would be true for them. And I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters in the faith who have already trusted in Christ. Would you give us grace to remember our identity and to live it out faithfully? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.